Hey yo, I'm Katie. It's your co-host Corey, and this is the Press Next Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Press Next Podcast. Yes, yes. Where we, you know, watch movies and TV shows and documentaries and break them down and talk about real life application and how we feel about them. Yes. Really, we're just uh, screen buffs. <laughs> we just like to watch stuff. And yeah. so uh, if you are new to our podcast, that, that is what we do. We watch stuff. We bring it to you. And we watch stuff with you. So Yes. And um, with it being Black History Month, we are doing all movies, documentaries, shows that relate to Black history or just Black people in America. Um we did last week 13th so that was going to be our documentary and this yes, week indeed. we're doing a movie mm. and we thought that um what better movie to do than get out get out one of my favorite movies of all time of all time i've i have watched it way too many times i don't even know how it's a good one as a matter of fact i'm sorry if you just heard Perry Flutter. But anyway, as a matter of fact, I actually have the script that is annotated uh, and written out in a small book form thanks to uh, my wife, my beautiful wife. She found it in an airport, maybe? Yes. I was coming back from my bachelorette party in Nashville, and I went into a convenience store um, at the airport to get some snacks. And I was looking through their books because... I like to read. Um, so I was looking through all of their books and I saw it and I was like, no way. And it is, yeah, it's a, a screenwrite or yeah, a not screenplay. a screenwrite, yeah. a screenplay. Yeah. It is the script and it's cool because it's annotated and stuff by uh, Jordan Peele and it has photos in it as well. And I am a script nerd. I like to read scripts and yes. I like to write scripts. So this is pretty cool. And I've read it like a thousand times. Yeah. I and, was like, there's um, no way I can't get this. <laughs> yes. And even yesterday. So I've probably seen Get Out probably upwards of 15 times mm -hmm. and so i don't actually i told her yesterday i didn't actually need to rewatch get out because i'm i'm pretty sure i know it kind of like the back of my hand right right but we watched it again and this time i had the script with me like trying to read through the script as um as the movie was playing it was a pretty cool experience i think i'm gonna do that again and i might actually do that with a lot more movies um i just might get the script and when we watch them like yeah. Um, if I if I've already seen it before, yeah. if I haven't seen it before, I want to watch it. If right. I have seen it before, I'm gonna watch it while I read the script at the same time. Uh, see, just to see the subtle nuances because um, there are some people who, and I'm sure y'all don't know this. Just an interesting fact about the movie in industry: there are some directors who really do not want you to go off script at all mm -hmm. um, because their writers and everything else have written a script so. Um, so direct that every word really means something. And so if you go off of that, it kind of kills the the character development and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, so they don't really allow you to go off script. That is not what happens in a lot of movies, though. Uh, in a lot of movies, you'll have a script and the character will work it in the way that they feel is best for the character. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is why they got cast. Right. They're actors. Right. I mean, that's right. why they're good at their job. Exactly. So if they believe that the character will kind of lean a little bit more this way, they will say the same thing or relay the same message. It just won't be the same wording. I was going to ask, is it is the script pretty spot on? or Well, 
all of uh, Rails parts are mm-hmm. pretty much ad libbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at least all the funny parts are pretty right. much ad libbed. So that's kind of funny. Uh, so all of his stuff is like wrong in the in the script. Um, and there's it's just really little things. Like sometimes lines get tossed out. Mm. Um, so that's another thing with movie editing is that you might make a film and the film is really like, um, you know, we get to watch the screen time. Let's say the screen time is 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's edited from like when it started out, it was probably close to three hours. Dang. And so they might chip out just a little. I mean, that makes sense. It's kind of right. how podcasts go too. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, they just, let's, let's just tape that out a little bit. Some podcasts are free form. Some are just edited to, to get what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the breakfast club, right? right? When you hear those interviews, you get the full ones on YouTube and uh, on the podcast, you only get the, the highlights. That's true. And so they will cut stuff out of the movie if they feel like it doesn't really add to the storyline or if it feels like it it messes up the pacing. And so the script, though, doesn't. So when I'm reading the script, there's stuff in the script that is not in the film. Uh, and and I see why they cut it out because it really didn't it didn't doesn't matter if they took much, it out. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But it was it was cool. So I advise all of you, if you have never done that, just get a movie because you can look up scripts online. Most of these movies have their scripts out online. Um, you can look up the script and look up a free one because there are some ones that are whack that will make you pay for like a subscription oh, to get the weird. script. Yeah, they'll let you read like the first page, right? They uh, get you hooked. Yes. You know, you I know mean, how the newspaper do. Yeah. I hate that. They they get you hooked. You like, ah, oh, damn, I'm about to drop fifteen dollars on the script. <laughs> um, nah, just get the free ones, uh, and they're pretty cool. You'll see how people write and everything else because even in the full scripts. They give you kind of direction on what the actor should be feeling and what the actor should be doing. Oh, and that's cool. All the beats and pauses. So it is pretty cool. So that was my experience with uh, this, with watching Get Out yesterday and reading it at the same time. But I am so excited to freaking talk about it right now. It's one of my favorite films. Is it not one of yours? It is. It is. I think that it is one of the best psychological mm-hmm. thrillers. That I've seen come out in my time. Yeah. And, and and by that, I mean, like, I love Alfred Hitchcock. We both love Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and there are some psychological thrillers that always stick with me, like right. Gone Girl. Oh, mm-hmm. messed me up. Um, and this is right up there with it. Gone Girl, Get Out, right up there with it. And, of course, um, Us, the other Jordan yes, Hill movie. which I... I can do, honestly, get out and us, and they have been. They've been university courses. You can teach 16 weeks on these films yeah. about what they mean um, as far as racism racism and classism and a, a bunch of other isms. Yeah, and it's not just because the world hyped it up. Like, it's that It good. is really, yeah. really that good once you dive into all of the symbolism. I was going to say, once you dive into it, because I feel like if you watch it and you don't understand all of the hidden undertones, then it's just like, okay, that was that was good. Right. But once you start seeing all the Easter eggs mm-hmm. and finding out the symbolism behind everything, you're like, that man is a genius. Right. Kind of like uh, the weekend Super Bowl performance. Yeah. yeah. First I was like, eh. Then I read up on it and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I yeah. still was a little eh. But eh. it was like, it's kind of cool. It's still eh. But. Yeah. Um, but that's how I feel about Jordan Peele. Interesting fact, this was his directorial debut when it comes to film. Really? Uh, this is his well, first film he got that. to uh, direct. So just if y'all have not seen it, to have this be your first film is incredible. Yeah. And to follow it up with us. Yeah. 
is incredible. Yeah. Two well, for two. I'm he really, is two I for can't two. wait. In his show, too, he he helped with Lovecraft Country. He didn't do that, but he helped mm. with it. He also helped with um, um, uh, Candyman, which was supposed to come mm-hmm. out last year. Yeah. So when I'm does ready that come to, out? Uh, probably this year. But the director of that is a black woman as well. I'm really excited to see Candyman. Yeah. Um, and I think that his uh, production company uh, uh, helped with that. So anything that he is attached to, that is thriller horror based. I'm attached to. It's good. Yeah. Not too much a fan of his like comedy. Like Key and Peele wasn't the thing for me, and I think it's really because like Chappelle's show killed sketch comedy for me. Chappelle's yeah. show is the top, and I feel mm-hmm. like if you get any, mm-hmm. not to say that it wasn't funny, because I think it is like it was funny, uh, but there's some parts of it I'm like, eh. Eh. but it wasn't because of Jordan yeah. Peele. So I'm sorry, uh, Keegan Michael Key, or is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he cornered me, but Jordan Peele, cool. <laughs> still, still corny. Yeah, still corny. Uh, all right. So if you have not watched the film, we're going to change it up just a little different this time because we really want to get into the breakdown of this film. If you have watched the film, cool. If you haven't, um, we we are going to go into spoilers. So if you want to pause now, watch the film and get back, that's cool. If you want to listen to us and then go watch the film and then see it kind of through a different lens, that's cool as well. Uh, so you ready for this girl? We're about to jump into it. You ready? Yes. You ready? You ready? Let's go. You ready? Listen, first off, I need you all to to... To understand that the billing of the show, the movie, is a young African-American visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend, Mm -hmm. where his simmering uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. Is that not any kind of interracial relationship? Yeah. So for it to be, this was also classified as a horror. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, it was billed as a horror, and I know why. Didn't they try to say it was a comedy, comedy though? Yes. How the in the award show? Yeah, that's they what tried I was to put it say. as a comedy, and I hated it because how in the world was this a comedy? There was like because one Jordan Peele is black. That's that's it. That's that's the only reason. And the also, only funny moment was I'm TSA. Right. Well, all of Lil Rail moments. Rod yeah. was he was that, that was his true. role, right? His yeah. role was to offer some sort of relief to the movie. Mm-hmm. And and also Rod plays, you know, he's a character he is everybody who is black has a friend like Rod. Yeah. And the entire time I watched the film the first time, I'm like I'm Rod. I'm everybody's Rod. I feel like you're like to my friend like, group, something ain't adding right. up. Right, um, something ain't adding up, and I'm always kind of like funny about stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm not always, I'm not always too serious about something, you know. But that's true. I'm very animated, and so that's Rod. You know, I'm not a TSA agent, but if I was one, I would probably be one like Rod. Right. And I probably would have came up with the sex slaves theory as well. <laughs> 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 uh, but yes, yeah, so it is literally just a story about a black guy, and not just a black guy. That's the reason why they they uh, chose Daniel. Okay, Daniel isn't just black. He is he is dark. He's dark. Yeah. Okay. He is very dark. And on the other side of that, his white girlfriend Rose is very white. Blue eyes. Bl- yes. It, I love this film. Everything about this film is thought through and through, mm-hmm. down to what they wear. So, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I think that's how you say his name. He plays Chris Washington. Um, Allison Wilson or Williams plays Rose Armitage. Uh, and so the the scene, the movie opens up with a pretty weird scene, right? Yeah. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield. I will say the first time I watched it, I didn't understand that scene. But. Right. Lakeith Stanfield is walking in like a um, 
uh, down uh, the street. Yeah, an affluent neighborhood. Yeah. Okay, he's a black guy in an affluent neighborhood, and he kind of looks like the typical, um, just like not necessarily grew up in the hood, but didn't grow up in an affluent neighborhood, right? right? Uh, and he's trying to find like his friend and, and his address, but it just feels really eerie and creepy. And he notices that a car is like following him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Lakeith's name in the film is Logan, and or Andre. I'm sorry. <clears throat> and um, he decides, like many black people, you. And this is a joke and a horror thing. What do they always say about black people in uh, in scary movies? They die first. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was like, wait, wait am I getting what set up? <laughs> no, but honestly, why do the black people die first? And this is, we not, we not fucking with none of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. If anything is weird, we out. Yeah. We not, nope, gone. I'm not investigating. I'm not about to hit the door and be like, is there somebody in there? Hello, who's here? I'm gone. Right. Even if it's my own house, I'm just getting out the house. We run first and ask questions later. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Lakeith is like, I'm gone. I'm just not going to happen to me. It's already eerie out here. I'm in the wrong neighborhood. It looked like somebody following me. Nope. And he literally says in there, like, not today. Not going to get me. Mm-mm. And unfortunately, he gets got. So he gets choked up um, and gets kidnapped. So that's how the film opens. And then they use a very, um, a, ooh, very number one smash hit song, Childish Gambino. So they use Redbone, and the reason why they use the song Redbone, one, it was very popular, but this movie made it even more popular. Mm-hmm. And it's because they use he used the you know the feeling of the song is kind of eerie as well, but the lyrics to stay woke, you know what I'm saying? Don't close mm-hmm. your eyes, like all, that. That follows the theme of the movie. People creeping, exactly. They be creeping, right? So it was like it was great to have that musical moment in the beginning. It's already setting up the film. Yeah, I think that that really did set it up. Yeah, for what what's to come. So in the first three minutes, you are already first off, you're on your edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. Like what is happening? Second, you've been set up into what is the the mood of the the film. Like I said again, Jordan Peele genius because every single second of this film means something. Means something. Yeah, yeah, that is something. When we were writing this about what all we were gonna break down, I'm like. Dang, we go through scene by scene. Scene by scene, really. And we'll try to keep it as like broad as we can because we literally could go scene by scene mm-hmm. and break it down. Uh, anyway, he's in his house. He's shaving. Um, Rose is out getting freaking scones and coffee, right? Like, again, means something. Doing what you would kind of typically see the if we're talking about the trope and the, the idea of these dainty white women. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's at a coffee shop, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah playing into these roles that's true uh rose comes to the house they meet up they're kissing so now you know that they're together boom 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 and uh then we have the classic like we we are we learn that they're gonna go to rose's house for the weekend and chris says hey have you told my your parents that i'm black right what's mm-hmm. her response do you remember her response um i remember her saying oh gosh i can't remember it word for word but she was like yeah, I've told them my dad would have voted for Obama for a third term if he could have. Right, like, the Obama thing. So she she actually did the opposite. She said, I didn't tell him because it's not a big deal. Oh. <laughs> right, right. She was Whoops. like, I, I'm not going to tell him because it's not a big deal. Like, my my dad loves Obama, right? <laughs> How problematic is that? First off, that see, we're already in the theme of the undertones of racism. 
Because if you if you look at this scene, how clueless is Rose? Right. Very, yeah. Very clueless. And I feel like she's not picking up on the fact that Chris is worried. Yes. I mean, you can tell that he is unsettled. He's uncomfortable, but he's going. Because, because he loves her. He loves her. And, and he wants to take that next step with her. But he feels very unsettled. Right. And she's not getting that. She's just like, and, and her response is, my dad would have voted for Obama. And he was like, okay. Right. What if he didn't vote for Obama? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So already setting you up. Love this film. Uh, they get in the car. Uh, he leaves his dog. Lil Rel, who is Rod in the film, uh, is watching Chris's dog. So that's that's why Rod plays a role in the film, is that Rod is dog watching for Chris. If Chris didn't have a dog, Rod probably plays no role in this film. So And wasn't it like a little boxer? uh or french bulldog right it's something like like real small you know has ibs can't eat human food you know stuff like that uh so it's kind of funny because rail is kind of like a bigger guy very ironic yeah it's super ironic he's taking care of this like little small dog you know uh i kind of like what people see when they see uh me and perry right right yeah that's what when we would tell people you were getting a dog and they were like what kind of dog is he getting right i'm I'm like like, a a multi-poo he's really little and they're like Oh, I think y'all thought you would get a pit bull. I'm like, all right, it's because I'm bigger on black. Or just a big dog, <laughs> right? Not a poodle. Yeah, uh, and not a small one at that. You know, you know, you can get like a standard poodle and they'd be big, but little Perry is small, so he's only like 20 pounds. Little Perry. Uh, but we love little pairs. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so they get in the car. While they're in the car, making the trip up to this very nice, secluded, affluent area, like it is in the woods, and they actually kind of. Um, they point to this and talk about this. And we'll get to that later. They talk about how secluded it is. Mm-hmm. There it seems is, very Southern. Yeah. Well, it's in, it was shot in Alabama. Mm. It was filmed in Alabama. So, yes. Uh, that's another reason why that played a part. It does seem Southern because it's supposed to feel Southern. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's almost going to the big house. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the slave house. Mm-hmm. And they're driving. You hear a Swahili chant. You don't know the words. I know the words. They essentially are telling him... That essentially his ancestors telling him that he needs to get out. He needs to run away. Uh, really? Yes. Interesting fact, right? Huh. Yeah. When, when was that? Remember when they're driving, it's the opening title. This is when they're driving. <clears throat> it's an establishing shot. So it's showing you all the woods and stuff, trying to let you know uh-huh. it's very secluded. Uh-huh. And this is when they're doing the opening credits. So you see the people who are playing what. Uh, you see the title, you know, get out and everything right. else. Um, and you hear them, you hear in the background, it's like, like loud chanting. Interesting. And it's in Swahili and it's translated as if his ancestors are telling him he needs to get out he needs to run away yada 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 okay right see again i have to go back and listen to that again not nothing is wasted in this film so as they're driving we learn that chris is a smoker Mm -hmm. right uh which plays a, a very important role later uh and they're just you know being a normal couple in the car chris is smoking she throws out the cigarette they're playing around they hit a deer which causes them to pull over. Mm-hmm. And when they pull over, we are introduced to the police. Right? Right. Police officer comes. Rose is driving. This is important. Rose is driving. Uh, police officer comes, asks them, you know, what happened? Oh, we hit a deer. You need to get your headlights and your, you know, your mirror fixed. And the police officer is asking for Chris's ID. Chris, being a black man, interacting with this police officer is like, I don't have a driver's license, but I have a state ID. I'll just give it to you. He don't want no smoke. He don't want no problem. He want to be nice. He want to be respected. 
He wants to, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he wasn't driving. He, he wasn't driving, but he just was like, I don't want to cross any whatever. And what does she do? Why do you need to see his license? Right. She goes off on a police officer. She, That's bullshit. Da, 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 right. He's like, it's not a big deal. Just boom. Here's another moment where she is not understanding the levity of, of this white police officer interacting with this black male. Yeah. And how she could be escalating this into something else. Right. Right. Now she, she, she kind of gaslights it into, um, sticking up for her man. Right. Mm -hmm. But you and I have kind of had this moment before, not with a police officer. Right. (laughs) What are you talking about? Yeah. What happened? Tell the world what happened. (laughs) This is when we like first dating. Okay. Well, Okay, so when we were at Tarleton, we used to go across the street from campus because mm-hmm. we both worked on campus to um, Big O's, which is a little deli shop. And shout out to Big O. It was it's in a area that has a lot of little shops, and it also has Barefoot, where the T-shirts and stuff are right. Campus shirts, whatever. And it's I, like final time. Well, it's like final seasons where all the students are coming to take finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's during final season. And a lot of people are parking in this parking lot and then walking to class. And this lady, I think that she worked at Barefoot. In my mind, she's like the owner or something. I don't know. But anyways, she's sitting out there in her big old SUV, like yelling at people, Mm -hmm. telling them not to park there because obviously that's where her customers need to park. You and I aren't paying attention to her because um, we just walking to lunch. We're walking to lunch. And y'all, this lady starts yelling at us directly at Corey and I telling us that we can't park there. We need to move our cars. And I was like, what is she talking to us? And Corey like waves his hand, like brushing her off or whatever. No, no, no. I literally waved and smiled at her because I thought she was having a bad day. So I waved and smiled and maybe she needed to see a friendly face. Okay, yeah. You know, much like Chris. <laughs> Anyways, so then this lady, you know, at first I thought she was talking to us. Then I knew she was talking to us because then she started talking to Corey and was like, yeah, I keep waving your hand, blah, blah, blah. And I just knew that she was talking trash. And I was like, all right. And then, here I am. Just keep walking. I'm holding Katie's hand. Corey's holding my hand, pulling me along. And I turn around and I tell this lady, we did not park here. We just walked across the street. And if you were watching us, you should have seen that we walked across the street. We don't have a car here. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you, and Corey was like, why did you just do that? Listen, she just, she went off, okay? I was holding her hand and I wasn't holding her hand. And I look back and I just seen Katie. Y'all, I don't know if y'all ever seen this. Her shoulders is bucking and everything else. And she like, she clapping like the, uh, like the gorilla glue lady. Stop. She going hard, right? She just boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, yo. And my first initial reaction, when I did ask you, like, why did you do that? It's like, it's not important to be, you know, yeah. to be in a confrontation with her. My initial reaction did come from a place of where Chris and Rose were, yeah. right? I'm black. This person is white. I don't want anything to pop off when I feel like it's really not even that necessary. Right. I, I don't want it to lead in anything, but you felt as if this lady was being disrespectful mm-hmm. and you were, and you said kind of like what Rose said in the movie, ain't nobody going to fuck with my man. <laughs> so and Chris was like, that's sexy. So there was like a side of me who I, I did enjoy that. You know, like I mm-hmm. love seeing like, wow, I'm a big guy, but like in this moment, I didn't have to stand up for myself. I was just chilling and my, and my lady held me down. We was just girlfriend, boyfriend at that time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you so I already do the oh, wife and material. She holding me down. <laughs> uh, but you know, my initial react did come. From, uh, my initial reaction did come from a place of like primal fear mm-hmm. of please don't cause a dis- like the, the next thing I know I'm being big O's and the cops gonna come and it's gonna be a thing right you know um but of course you ain't know that you didn't know that that was inside of me and that's kind of a bias in, in a lens that I have mm-hmm. but I think that's what makes this film so good right is those little nuances is that you would have reacted like Rose and I would have reacted like Chris that is true that is true because when you see things like that, you think if you were white, you wouldn't have asked for his license. Right. Or if you were white, that lady wouldn't have yelled at you like that. True. And then to me, I'm like, they're doing it because I'm black. And I also need to chill because I'm black. Because if I don't chill, it's going to be an issue. Right. And I know some people are like, yeah, right. That they would have done the same thing if they were white. Okay. (laughs) Listen, there was, but here's the other thing though too is that there were other plenty of white people around who right. were not getting the smoke. Yeah, uh, it just so happened to be me it's that different. was getting the directed one. It's different, and until you're in that situation, you don't you don't get it. Right. Uh, so I enjoy that scene. Um, as we get further along, I recognize that this scene has a little bit different importance. Mm-hmm. So the first time you watched it, that's what I felt. I felt as if like, wow, Katie's is Rose in this moment, and I'm Chris. Um, anyway, they get to the house. And it's just very, just beautiful, beautiful house on acres of lands, like just beautiful house. Mm-hmm. So much that they, so much so that they have a groundskeeper, which is the first thing <clears throat> that Chris sees whenever he pulls in. He sees a black groundskeeper. This is why this is a horror. If I pull up to somebody's house, they got plenty of land, and the house is like a plantation. And you have black groundskeepers. I'm, I'm turning around. <laughs> I'm turning around. I don't care what excuse you give me. Yeah. I'm gone. Not happening. Not that the house already looked like a plantation. Right. You got people out here working the ground. Right. So they pull up and he meets the parents. Right. Like this is a moment that happens in plenty of interracial relationships, uh, especially when they're going forward. You're going to have to meet the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a white woman who is dating a black guy or whatever, you're going to meet their parents. And if you're the opposite, you're going to meet their parents. So the reaction is going to always be different um, based on your history, how people grew up, because everything is just so different Mm -hmm. all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Anyway, a moment that we have all, everybody, even if you're not in an interracial relationship, have dealt with, which is meeting the parents. And it seems very nonchalant, right? Hey, welcome to the family, Chris. Going to have a good weekend. But what little things do you notice when he's meeting the parents? Um... I kind of noticed they were kind of sizing him up. Yes. Like looking at him up and down and mm-hmm. they were asking him what kind of sports do you play? Like right. things like well, that's, that. You talking about the dinner? I'm, oh, I guess. Yeah. 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 I'm talking about at the very beginning. Oh, well, the dad brings up that he would have voted for Obama for a third term. <laughs> again, that gets brought up again. Right. Um, And then just like sizing him up and. And the. The language and the lingo that the dad is using. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here is another fear, uh, uh, a fear thing. White people do this often, but I think it's, we need to jump into what code switching is. Right? I think it's important. If you are not familiar with code switching, this is what it is. And people do it all the time. 
this is this isn't familiar with just black people and other races. Um, you do this probably on a daily basis. Yeah, you code switch when you go to work. Yes, you're not gonna be cussing up a storm at work right. if you're doing that at home. Exactly. If you do it at home, the way you speak at home is not the way you speak at work. Right. Everybody <clears throat> code switches. Everybody code switches. Now, there are in my own personal belief, and I may be wrong, but this is my personal belief. There's because of the way that black people view themselves as being viewed by other people. I believe we probably code switch more than anybody. Yeah. I can see that. To lessen our, um, in an attempt to lessen our. Quote unquote threat. Yes. Right. So this is where I think the classic phrase of like, oh, you talk white. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, no, I'm just using, I'm using the language that makes you you feel more comfortable. But here's how it works with kind of culture. I pulled up to your house. I seen black service. You have a very white white house. I already have like an idea of who you are. If you start using lingo, which you would not normally use, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. It almost makes me feel like you're talking down to me. So what kind of lingo? When he's like, oh, what's up, my man? How you doing? How you nice to see you? How long has this this thing been going on? This thing. Why are you talking like you shucking and jiving, bro? Like, you know what I'm saying? Try to use... What is going on here? Just talk regular. Mm-hmm. You know, like talk how you would normally talk. You don't have to. You And you're just meeting me. That's the thing. We have a relationship and we have the a language that we talk as different than if I just first off the top meet you and start speaking a certain way that I think that you would that would make you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And And it's not natural to you. And you can tell it's not natural to the dad because it doesn't flow and fit right. And that's how a lot of people feel. It's like you have a group of girlfriends, right? If I just jumped in your... Ooh, this is the perfect example. If y'all have watched The Circle, right? Y'all, the Circle is a TV show uh, on Netflix. A game show. The game show. Do you remember when uh, Seaburn was talking with the girls because oh, he was trying to yeah. catfish a girl and he got caught up with the period talk and everything else? Yeah. You see how they were easy... Like, what? Yeah, right. It's easy to get caught up when it's not natural for you. Yeah. This is the same thing. Just be, once you have that relationship, it's a little bit different. He don't have this relationship with Chris. He just out here doing that. So immediately I'm like, if I had the red flag, a bunch of racism (laughs) stuff, that's a a racism red flag. I'm holding it up. Mm -hmm. If I meet you in the first time, you're starting to use some slang that you wouldn't normally use. Bing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, not, Not necessarily racist, but definitely some microaggressions and stuff like that. Then we get the tour of the house, and here is where stuff gets crazy. Okay. This is where stuff gets crazy. Oh, also, he talks about the, the deer, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking about the deer, and we think that he's talking about the deer. My own personal belief is that he's talking about black people. Okay, I had never caught that until watching it yesterday because they told, you know, the parents, mm-hmm. oh my God, we, we hit, hit a, a deer. deer. Right. And the dad was like, good, there's too many of them. We need to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. The the more deer you hit, the more deer that are dead, the less population. They're you taking know, over the, they're taking the ecosystem. They're taking over the ecosystem. And, right. Yeah. And I never... And use the word buck too. I never... Um, put that together until watching yesterday because I know that everything, like like we said, everything in this movie is intentional. So when I was watching it, I was like, "Wow, he's talking about black people." Yep. He thinks that there's too many black people in the world and that they're taking over the quote unquote ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And 
I was like, which is the theme of the the, the movie, oh. and which is why it's a horror, and why people believe kind of the racism exists and the white supremacy is here, right? That's the fear of the white supremacy, right? Is that that white people are gonna lose their their majority and stuff like that, right? And there will be too many black people and too many uh, too many mixed people, exactly. Yeah. The thing is, and here's the importance of him using the word buck. If we go back to slavery and slave auctions and everything else, a buck was a strong black male. Mm-hmm. So when they're selling slaves, they would use a bunch of words and buck was one of them. Hmm. Again, not a word wasted. Right. I think we've talked about that yes. before. But see, you have to know that information for right. you to be for you to be in there. Right. Um I think we've talked about this before because of, I don't think it was this movie. I think it was something else, but it was Buck as well. Right. Huh. Okay. Right. Which is also why I don't like when people, especially older white people call me boy. We talked about that before too. Yeah. It just, do not call me boy. Yeah. Anyway. um, So they go to the tour of the house. In the tour of the house, there's a lot of foreshadowing that happens. This scene that we're about to talk to, there's a bunch of foreshadowing. So they're walking to the house. He's showing them pictures. Uh, the dad is showing Chris pictures of the house. He shows them a picture of the family, right? Uh, which we later go on to see that the family is still in the house. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the kitchen, this is a huge one. We meet Georgina, who is black. She's standing in the kitchen. Well, first, on our way to the kitchen, he shows him a door off to the right and said, this is the door to the basement. We had to seal it up. There's black right, mold. There's black mold. Mm-hmm. Black mold. <laughs> anyway, reason why this... Anyway. So yes, we have been, we have been, we've been shown that this door is Leads where it's going to go to, to something later. Then we get to the kitchen. We see Georgina. Georgina is standing in the kitchen. And what does the dad say? Do you remember what the dad says? I don't remember. The dad says, um, the kitchen was my mother's favorite spot. So we, we left a, a little piece of her in here mm. for shadow. He's literally telling me, and here's the thing about racism. Which is what the the film is based on. Everything in this film is in front of your face and you have no clue that it's there. Yeah, that is true. Everything is in front of your face, but you have no clue that it is there. He literally just told Chris for the first time. That woman is not who you think it is. Mm -hmm. That is my mother. Yeah. And. Yeah, we can follow up on that. And then. um, And then he walk outside. Well, then the dad is like, I know how it looks. Yeah. When he's when walking can, outside. You can go into that a he, little he, bit. He goes into that. I know how it looks. The 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 white family with the black servants. And then he makes up this story about how we hired them when my parents were getting sick, which was probably true, but not necessarily hired them. He hired them so he can kill them. Mm-hmm. But they didn't hire him because we figured out that Rose was with them. Right. Rose is the recruiter of the family. Right. And so we hired them when when our parents got sick and we just... After they died, remember, this is another thing that he said. The words matter. He said, after they died, we just couldn't let them go. He is not talking about them. He's not talking being, about them letting go of their jobs. He's saying, firing them. we couldn't let our parents go. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. I didn't think about that. Exactly. We just couldn't let them go. Because if he, he could have said, well, we just couldn't have fired them after. You know what I'm saying? No. He said, when right. they died, we just couldn't let them go. Uh, Genius. Again, racism in front of your face. Everything in front of your face is overt. It is in front of your face, though. Much like uh, 
the world. Exactly. Much and then, like day-to-day life and where then it's he right goes, in front of your face. Exactly. Hidden in plain sight. Then he goes into his, you know, I would have voted for Obama for third term if he, if he could have got it. Uh, which is, again, that, like, I want to make you feel comfortable uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then they have the tea party where they're just sitting there drinking tea. But this is a very important moment. So Rose Armitage, um, the mother. So it's Rose, Dean, Missy, and Jeremy. Uh, Missy's the mother. Dean is the dad. Jeremy's the brother. So it is Chris, Rose, Dean, and Missy. They're sitting there drinking tea. And they are just, you know, shooting the breeze, talking about life. Or so it seems. But this is an important moment. You get the feeling that this moment has been had a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know what's happening. Missy, the tea, she gets the tea kettle. I mean, the, the, the teacup. And she starts the priming of the hypnosis. She starts clinking her uh, her tea kettle. I mean, her teacup. Mm-hmm. Especially when they start talking about him smoking. Remember, he's knocking on the table. Dean says something like, are you a smoker? And he's like, I'm trying to quit. Mm-hmm. In that moment, she ding, ding, ding. And they start talking mm-hmm. about it. She's priming him for the hypnosis that she's going to put him in later. Um, also, in that moment, we see that... Um, we see that... God, I just said her name and I can't remember... Georgina. We see that Georgina is pouring tea for everybody. And when she gets to Chris, she, she, she messes up. We can see that the real person who was inside of Georgina is fighting to tell Chris, Mm -hmm. get out. Mm -hmm. She is fighting Georgina in this moment. Get the hell out of here. And so she messes up. Missy tells her, go, just, just go sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. Go do something. Go lay down. She's like, cool. I'll go lay down. And then Jeremy is introduced and then they, we go to dinner. And at dinner, here's what you're talking about. They're just telling the stories. You know, this is what happens at, at any family dinner, right? You're talking right. about all the embarrassing moments that happened when Katie was a kid and when Corey mm-hmm. was a kid. And, oh, you know, Rose used to eat her toenails, suck on them Ugh. and put them in a box or whatever. And uh, she bit somebody's tongue when they were making out. Like, you're just telling all these funny stories. But it morphs into another moment where we see kind of insight on Jeremy. Like, Jeremy's very animalistic, right? Mm-hmm. He's the, Jeremy's the enforcer of the family. So Jeremy goes, and he's the one that, like, is going to strangle you up and he's everything else. He's the weirdest else. one. He's, he's so weird. Um, but he gets to talking about Chris and his body size and how oh, you would just be, if you really pushed your body, look at your frame. If you really did this and that, you would be a beast. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of people out there that literally think that black people are more gifted in athletics than anybody else. I'm literally here to tell you that's not true. There's no scientific evidence that says you were born black. You are have an advantage in athletics than anybody else. Yeah. Have you seen those things that are like black people are born with an extra yes, something. I, and yes. That's why they can jump higher. An extra and, ligament and everything else. Yeah. Extra muscle. I literally wrote my paper at senior year of high school doing that because my homeboy, shout out to Boston. Uh, it wasn't Boston. It was, we were having a conversation. It was Boston and some other people. And Miss uh, um, Haig, She's my friend that lives in uh, London. Remember I was telling you about that? Mm-hmm. Don't have ice. Mm-hmm. She's my teacher, Ginger Haig. And she literally said, we can write our research project on anything. Well, that conversation sparked my research project, which was I had to prove to the rest of my dumbass classmates <laughs> that black people don't have the extra fucking muscle. We're not born with an extra tendon that allows us to be more athletically gifted than our counterparts. Okay. Right. Goodness gracious. And like literally that thought process, where did, where did they come from? Anyway, I'm not going to go out on a tangent on that. Because but, most professional athletes are black. <laughs> right. But I wouldn't even say that. You're talking about in America, right? Yeah. Because if we're talking about sports everywhere else, that's not even true. The that's biggest true. sport in the world is soccer. 
And that's true. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, we just look through st- stuff with a certain lens. And that's what this movie is about, is looking through life with a certain lens. And just being so blind and so stupid mm-hmm. to everything that's going on. Which also makes sense that I forgot to mention this. There's a reason why Chris is a photographer in this film. Oh, yes. And not only just a photographer, he's a damn good one. And so, and I'll wrap that up in the end. Anyway, just to kind of speed things through, they're having tea, they have the dinner, um, and they go to sleep, right? Chris wakes up, he goes outside, he goes to smoke in the middle of the night. And after he smokes, he sees the, um, how about I call him a ranch hand? <laughs> The groundskeeper is running towards him, remember? Yeah. And then the, so that's cool. That was actually sparked from uh, North by Northwest, which is one of my favorite films. That's what uh, uh, Jordan Peele said. Because Alfred it really Hitchcock. does. Huh? I said Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, Alfred Hitchcock. Because it really does do something visceral toward you when, like, the, the character is running towards the screen. Mm-hmm. It just makes you feel like so, like, oh, you know, like it's coming for me. Right, right. And can you explain that scene a little bit? Because I still don't quite understand. The two black people who are in a house are trying to. Tell him, yeah, get out. They're trying to. They are fighting the person that they're in. When that light came on, that mm-hmm. they that person diverted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it re- really was. You're really seeing that there are people inside. Yes, they're in what we'll learn later is a sunken place, but they're fighting like hell. They're really fighting to not let anybody else suffer what they've been through, which is also key into black culture. Right. There are. All of us, right? We the, the trope in black culture and everything else is we go through a lot of trauma and stuff, but we don't want our other people to go through trauma as well. We've endured a lot of pain and we want to stop you from doing that. It's the reason why, like, if you talk to my you know, grandparents and my parents, they will get pissed off if you do not vote. Right. We went through all of that as black people. You don't want to exercise your right to vote. Right. It's the same thing. It's it's them trying to tell us to get out. So same thing is being played in this movie. Um, and he goes back inside and guess who's inside waiting on his ass. Missy is waiting, is waiting inside, says, Hey, come, come take a seat with me. And then she sitting down just talking, what seems to be like a meaningless talk. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it's in her office where she has her patients. And so she's like, you're wondering how it is. Right. And he's like, what, you know, the hypnosis and yada, yada, yada. She explains how the hypnosis works, where she just uses these auditory clues Mm -hmm. To get you to a heightened state of, uh, what did she say? A heightened state of suggestibility. And, you know, they're laughing and talking about that. And they start talking about smoking. And then she moves well, it into her daughter. I was about to say, what I think is really weird is she was like, um, so do you smoke around my daughter? And he was like, eh, you know. I'm, I'm trying I, to quit. I, I smoke, so obviously I smoke around your daughter. Right. And she was like, that's my daughter. Yeah, that's and, my girl. That's... And I'm like, why Why was there such an emphasis on smoking? There's I'll a tell you why. ton of other things I'll tell you to why. do around her daughter. Smoking is a bad habit, right? Smoking is something they can talk about. It's something that she can rid with hypnosis. That's true. Which is something that they actually do uh, for smoking and drinking and things of that nature. Um, but also, it was a way in, because it's such a bad habit, like, it's easy for me to just say, you need to stop doing this to my daughter, and then you stop doing it. But smoking, there's a addiction asset to it, as okay. far as, like, chemical addiction, so right? So something that she can, quote-unquote, cure. Yes, and but here's the other thing. The reason why she went into the, that's my daughter, is because she wanted to relate that to his mom. 
Remember? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. why she's a good therapist. Okay. That's what you just saw was good therapy. Yeah. Right. She made the connection with him to where he would open up about his mom because that's his most vulnerable spot. Mm-hmm. And so he did. He opened up about his mom and she put his ass into the sunken place. And for those of you who have not watched the film, the sunken place is this where it's that heightened state of suggestibility that is depicted in the film as if they're just floating in their own mind behind a TV screen where they are, you are essentially the, you can drive the car. You're the car, but you're not driving it. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You have all of the, you, you can, you know, you're the one moving your arms and everything else. Your body is being used, but you're, your mind has been taken. Uh, so, yes, it is that, that state of hypnosis, hypnosis uh, which is what the Armitages use, and we'll find out later. It's very important that these people are into the sunken place. They have to be into the sunken place. And how important was this sunken place to black culture? This became a thing. Right. This still is a thing. When we see black people who are sometimes a little bit a little bit too far out what do they say this person's in in the sunken place they're in the sunken place yeah. right we need to get them out hit the little flash camera you see the memes jordan pill entered into the culture and created um a name for a place that we all know black people know that there's right you're lost you're out there you just your mind you is diverted just, a right, little bit too far right. from your own culture jordan pill gave it a name everybody loved it ate it up mm -hmm. there's classes called the sunken place Okay, I'm sure somebody's going to open a restaurant called The Sunken Place. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah, it, it would the be class, fun. The class, not the restaurant. The class would be fun. And I would love to teach that class. But literally, Jordan Peele did an amazing job with that. So, so he has been now hypnotized by the mom. And he wakes up from, from his sleep. And he seemingly thinks that it's just a dream. Mm -hmm. However, now the thought of a cigarette makes him want to vomit. Up. What yeah. makes him want to throw up. So he has been hypnotized. He calls Rod and he, Rod's like, yo, Rose's mom hypnotized me. And Rod <laughs> is like, what? White people want some, on some sex slave shit. They're going to hypnotize you and, and sell you off. They're going to they gonna have sex with you and sell you off and kill you. You know, Jeff Jama did the same thing. And you know, he's being real funny because right. that's Rod. Uh, but Rod is not too far off. Rod is the... He, because from the outside, it sounds crazy. You're yes. going to these people's house for the first time. And you got hypnotized? You're not of their culture, and they hypnotize you? Yeah, you're in a cult, buddy. Yeah. You are in a cult. Yeah, it's weird. Well, welcome to the Armitage family, bro. <laughs> I can't even call you Chris no more. The coagula. Right, the coagula. <laughs> um, but after that, it becomes like a normal day. There's this big garden party uh, that they have. And so these people are at this garden party, and all these white folks come over, these rich-ass white folks mm -hmm. and there's some other rich ass people like Asians who are there and stuff like that and they are just making Chris feel really uncomfortable right mm -hmm. because they're doing their rounds right which is that Rose is kind of introducing Chris to like you know all the people mm -hmm. um, as if he's almost like a prize because little he does is. he know he yeah. is and they are asking him all these questions right like what kind of questions and stuff what did you notice about that Um, I noticed that one family who was like you know pale skin yeah. was in for hundreds of years for and centuries. now it seems like the pendulum is swinging the other way and everybody wants dark skin black is high fashion yeah first off what the fuck 
I don't even know you, and that's what you're saying to me? Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm gone. Yeah. Somebody else is... Uh, and also, it's funny that Rose stood up to the police officer, but all these people are just saying some foul stuff, and she's like... And she's like, not saying nothing. Well, and she's just like, oh my God, why would you say right, that? Right, right. I'm why so glad you... you I'm that? so, so glad you said that. Because it all makes sense in the end. Mm-hmm. And so they moved to like another family, and this this one guy who is in... He's in a wheelchair and on oxygen, right? So obviously, this is to depict that he's not able-bodied, right? And the wife is literally feeling up on Chris, like, "Oh, he's so strong," and look at him, and then asked him, "Is it better? Is the sex better?" Right? Like mm-hmm. he's like, "What the hell?" And here's the other thing that plays in another film. So you've heard this before, at least from black people. We love personal space. Personal space is a thing in black culture. Mm-hmm. Do not get in my personal space. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like white culture has, they don't have no boundaries, <laughs> right? Well, I feel like white people don't have no boundaries. And I have, the reason why I have this feeling because it happened to me a thousand times. Yeah. You have had to, you have witnessed one. A couple weeks ago, we uh, were yeah. at Just Waffling, right? Well, I'm sitting at Just Waffling. I'm talking to Katie. We're just eating, just chilling. And some guy walks up behind me, puts his hand on my shoulders and starts talking to me. I don't know you. Don't touch me. Yeah. This happens to me all the time. And to me, and to me, it seems so harmless. Like, oh, he's just talking with you, right? No, but you don't have to touch me to talk to me. You know what I'm saying? You're in my personal space. I don't know you. That makes me feel uneasy. And then on top of that, his statement to me was, "This is the kind of guy you, uh, if you're a running back, you want to run behind." <laughs> and I'm like, "Bro, you don't know me. I could have never played sports in my life. But also, why are you grouping me? Because I'm a big black guy. I play like a lineman or a fullback or something, right? Mm-hmm. This is what this is that like kind of overt racism type shit, right? That happens all the time in front of our eyes that we pass off and say, oh, this is harmless. Mm-hmm. But like it means stuff to everybody. I've been at Sonic before or Subway before and somebody literally pulled my chain out of my shirt and was like, oh my God, I love your chain. Huh? I was literally talking to Jordan, shout out to my boy Jordan, about how white people don't have no boundaries. Like don't have no like sense of space and and don't care about other people's space because I have my own theory and my theory is that when it comes to privilege, we don't look at space as being shared. We mm-hmm. think of space as being, I'll say we, I do. And a lot of black people think of space as being shared versus space as being mine. Where on the other side is different. And so I feel like white people, that's why people are having a time, a hard time. And when I say white people, I'm talking about culture. Just, just, that doesn't necessarily mean you. That's why people are having a hard time standing six feet away. It's not hard for me to stand six feet away from somebody. I get in a line and people are right on my ass. I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. back up. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. The the little dot is five feet away from you. Back up. Oh, my bad. Is it really that big of a deal? Yes. Get, just can you, off, let's share the space. <laughs> With or without COVID, back up. Back up. Thank <laughs> you. Why are you so close to me? Right? Yeah, like, I feel um, that. And so she you know, is asking all these questions. And what we're actually seeing is that they are testing out the product. Mm-hmm. The girl who's who's feeling on him, well, he she wants his body because look at her husband. Her husband is mm-hmm. frail and 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 looks like he's about to be on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. The guy who is asking about high fashion wants to be more fashionable because his right. wife does. The the uh, the blind guy, which he, you know, he goes and talks to the blind guy. The blind guy is an art dealer, and um, but he's never actually been able to see the art. What he does well, is he he feels it kind of through what he, his assistant explains to him right well he went blind because he was able to see and he took photos and he submitted in the national uh geo but he doesn't have the eye that's what he says he doesn't mm-hmm. have the eye 
And uh, but then he went blind and his assistant would describe in great detail what Chris would shoot. And so, you know, Chris kind of grants his bond to him because Chris is like, it's unfair that you have a genetic disease that stop you from doing the work that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And Chris also knows his 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 art based on his gallery. Right. Uh, and he knows Chris. And He's, he knows Chris. He tells Chris, right. you have a phenomenal eye, you know. And so we see this as harmless, but really what's happening is they are sizing up and looking at the product. Mm-hmm. Um, also at this time, Chris sees uh, Andre. Andre is a different person now. Remember, right. remember Andre got kidnapped at the beginning. Andre's at this dinner party, but Andre is now dressing like he's in the forties. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's with an, and old, he's with white an woman. old white woman and not like, Oh, forties, fifties. Oh, he, she is old. She's got to be in her sixties. And who, is just not the complete opposites. And Andre, who who was using uh, African-American vernacular English when when we first seen him, so we use an AAVE, is now speaking very proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it is just... And it, uh, you didn't catch this one, but I say this to you all the time. Remember, so Chris walks up to Andre and he goes, oh man, you know, it's, it's nice to see, you know, another brother around. This is what we do as black people. <laughs> Okay, this is what skin we do. Skin folk ain't kin folk. Well, that's that's one thing. Not all skin folks kin folk, but also if I see a black person in a room full of white people, I'm seeking that black person mm-hmm. out. I don't give a damn who you is. Mm-hmm. I'm finna make myself known to you. We finna connect on some base just so I know, you know, you got me, I got you, boom, boom, boom. That is that is integral to black culture. Which is why I can't walk pie, by pie. I can't walk by a black person without acknowledging them. A head the nod head or nod. something. Right. <laughs> I can't. I will always acknowledge black people. Mm-hmm. That is that is in the fabric of our culture. Mm-hmm. And so we see that here. He sees Andre. He immediately walks up to Andre. Like, hey, man, it's good to see you. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel a lot more comfortable with you being here. Andre turned around and was like, well, hello there, young gentleman. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, But also it's important to note that... Um, Chris doesn't necessarily know Andre, but he right. knows of him. He knows so of he him. knows the area that he comes from, and he knows that Andre is not going to be speaking like this. Right. So this is a red flag. He's like, what? Right, exactly. So something already feels a little bit off, right? And so then the the white woman comes up that is married to Andre now and is talking to um to to Chris and Chris, you know, they exchange pleasantries. And then Andre says, Chris was just explaining his being more comfortable with me being here, which is what he tells his wife. And and Chris's face is like, why would you say why that? would you say that? Yeah. I say this all the time, <clears throat> and this is another cultural thing. I'm not if I think that something could be deeming like embarrassing, I'm not going to put you out like that, especially if I don't know you, right? And especially. Unfortunately, not to no white person. Mm-hmm. I'm not finna put you out. I would never say what I said to you because it's very evident that I came up to you while you were alone and said it to you. Right. I didn't say it in front of everybody else. <clears throat> yes. There was a reason why I did that. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sorry. My voice is kind of cracking. Mm-hmm. We are recording in the morning, but uh, there's a reason why I did that. So I would never just like out you. And I feel like at times that's that social like the the culture's clashing and you don't necessarily understand. Right. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. Full disclosure, I think that there was um we were we we went to go see your parents uh, a couple weekends ago. We went to Louisiana. We we're in a car, and um, uh, your stepmom said something, 
and you can I, like I can kind of feel that like oh it was with the it was with the coke so we're at Sonic and oh. right we're at Sonic and Katie asked for a Coke Zero and her stepmom orders the drink. Well, she ordered a Coke Zero. She ordered a Coke Zero. It just Zero. came out and it was regular Coke. Right, and it was regular Coke. So we don't know. In that moment, we don't know if it is just like like she ordered it wrong or it came out wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. we we don't we don't necessarily know until mm-hmm. later. But I can already tell that like I just don't want to. She did something very nice for us, and like the way I was raised, and especially in our culture, like you went out of your way to do something. If it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm just not gonna make you feel bad about it. And everything mm-hmm. else, and uh, I think Deanne's a lot like you. Like you're gonna want to fix it, and you're gonna harp on yourself for the fact of it being wrong. Well, I don't want to subject you to that because drinking Coke isn't that bad. You know, like it wasn't like you're not allergic to it. It's different if you're allergic to peanuts and you got peanuts. Right. Okay. So you get the Coke and you say to me, like, this isn't Coke Zero, is it? And I taste it. I'm like, it's definitely not Coke Zero. But I'm trying to tell you, don't say nothing. Right? Like, just don't say nothing about it. Uh, you know, just divert from it. If somebody asks, not that big of a deal. And you ended up saying it anyway, which was like a, in a slight moment. Like, I could see like Deanne fighting with it. And so this is to me like the same moment, which is a like culturally it's a it's a clashing of you know what the outcome may be, which could end up in a feeling that is not pleasant for the other person. Why would you say that? And in this moment, I feel like Chris feels the same way. Yeah. Chris is, but it's just really the understanding of two different cultures, right? Like I feel like that's something you would normally do at any time. You right. know what I'm saying? Like you grew right. up doing that. Whereas I didn't grow up doing that. Right. And it's yeah. just culture clashing. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I knew she ordered the Coke Zero because I saw her on her phone ordering it. So I think that that's what, like, why I said something because I knew it wasn't her fault. But you're right. right. I feel you. You're right. Um, and so even if it wasn't, like, she was still going to, like, oh, you're we could have right. got it fixed and everything else. So it's just like the culture cla- clashing. And I feel like that's this is true. happening here. This is, a, this is an instance to, for us to see that Chris and Andre are culture clashing. Right. Right. And then at the end, Chris puts out, this is huge. Chris puts out his hand to dap up Andre and Andre just grabs his hand. So Chris is like, what the hell? Because there's not a black this person. This is not a black man. Yes. There's like <laughs> not a black person in the world that I have ever met that doesn't know how to at least dap. Right. You don't have to do the whole up, down, around and slap my hand and snap. Right. But you can at least pound it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Touch the, touch the, dap it up we that's like that's that's integral to at least african-american culture so chris is like what the hell chris is feeling uneasy now he goes upstairs to get his phone to call rod the phone is off the hook red flag again why is the phone not charged when he charged it this morning he put it on a charger so then he puts his phone on charger he calls rod he lets rod know like yo i'm gonna send you a picture of this guy or I, I just saw somebody and just, just weird stuff going on. My phone's off the hook, but I'm going to charge it. Uh, and then Georgina comes in and is like, I'm sorry. Let me tell you what happened to the phone, right? Mm-hmm. The phone fell off when I was cleaning it and I didn't want to, you know, I've already done too much. I didn't want to plug it back in. Then there's this weird moment where Georgina is is being fought by the black woman who was inside of her, mm-hmm. right? She starts crying. She does the weird little, no, 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 no. Right? What did he say to her to make her do that? He said something that made her go. No. Yeah, well, he said he was talking about like I'm not gonna snitch on you and everything else. Oh, and then snitch. she was like, Snitch? Oh, tattletale, right? Like, okay, another thing where he's like, Okay, this is weird. And then he said uh something else when <clears throat> I have to look it up, but he said something else about like 
about being black in a in in an all white place. Mm-hmm. And I think at that time the black woman inside Georgina was trying to come out to tell him like right. get out. And Georgina is speaking when she's saying no 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 no. She's speaking to the black woman. Right. Like chill. And then she she goes, they treat me like family, which is another in your face thing. Mm-hmm. Because she is family. Mm-hmm. That is Georgina. That is that is their mother. That's Missy's mother. Right. Uh or Dean's mother. Whatever. Mother-in-law. And then he goes back downstairs and he goes outside and he goes out like towards the lake. And then this is where the auction happens, right? Mm-hmm. So they are quietly bidding. Oh, wait. I think it's important. We missed an important part. Well, we missed. So Go he ahead. gets the phone. He goes out and he, everybody's talking. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. snaps the picture of Andre. Doesn't think his flash is on or whatever. He's undercover, like trying to take the picture to send to Rod. To Rod, yeah. And when he takes it, the flash goes off. And in that moment, you can see something in Andre change. And then his you see no blood coming out of his nose. And he just starts spazzing. And he is saying, get out, get out, get out, run, right now. Yeah, get run. out right now. And it's like forcing Chris, like leave this place because nothing good is going to happen. But Chris doesn't see it as that. He's just like, what is what going, is going on? on? Right. It's crazy. And then all of the rich older white people are like, getting andre to calm down or trying to get him to calm down or really they're trying to remove him from this situation before he tells too much right and then they take him into missy's um office office where she does the hypnosis Mm -hmm. and he comes she comes out and they're like oh how is he oh i think he's doing better now because she She then was able to hypnotize him again so the flash brought him out of the hypnosis and that's when we see the the actual black man inside right. fighting, telling, warning him, get out. Because so, something's about to happen. Another thing and so, about this movie, and you probably didn't catch this, Andre and Rod, who are the only other black characters in Chris, are the only people who use the words get out in the film. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The film's title is Get Out, mm-hmm. and they're the only people who use the words in mm-hmm. the phrase get out. I didn't notice that. Um, but Go ahead. But then this is when... Chris is like, there's something weird going on. I want to leave. I'm ready to go. Right. And I can't remember if he sent the picture to Rod before or after they went down to the lake. No, he, before they they went down to the lake. Because that was the picture he got and he sent it. And then Rod is like. Rod called and was like, that's Andre. That's Andre. That's Andre from the hood. From the hood. He used to work, you know, with, he used to work with old girl at the movie theater and did this. And he's like, yo, yo, I knew it. But he's like different. He's like, yeah, like what's up with them clothes? He's like, no, it wasn't that. And he goes down to the lake. He's just really feeling uneasy right now. And Rose comes down there and he's telling Rose. I want to go home. Like what I saw in a weird way, I knew Chris. I mean, I knew Andre. I don't like, I I felt like I knew him. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. whatever happened in that moment, like I knew him. I didn't know the other guy, mm-hmm. but I knew him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going on, but I want to leave. And your mom did something to me and it's messing with my head. And now I'm just thinking about like what happened to my mom and everything else. And I'm just feeling really uneasy and I got to get out of here. I got to get out. And he's like, his speaking is like really rushed and everything else. While this conversation is happening by the lake, um, there is an auction going on. And this is really important too. The silent auction. It's a silent auction. They're using bingo cards. This auction is supposed to mimic uh, like a slave auction. A slave trade, yeah. Okay, because this is what it was. Essentially, uh, Chris is a slave. He, though he doesn't know it, and he's being bid on by these these white folks who have sized him up and asked him about 
his fashion, asked him about his eye in photography, uh, who have groped his body to see how strong he is and asked about, <laughs> asked his, about his, size. his size and <laughs> sex game, who have asked about his black experience. How have you, do, have you thought your black experience has helped you or hindered you in, in society, right? Yeah, this right? Asian man uh, who is probably going to be, you know, uh, who's, who's, who's bidding on him as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the blind art dealer wins the bid. Mm-hmm. And so Chris gets back in the house and he wants to leave. And he goes upstairs and he's starting to pack all this stuff up. And he goes into the, uh, and these people are, are, are leaving. So these people have left. Um, he goes into this like little corner nook that's open and he finds a box. Mm-hmm. In the box is a picture of all of these people that. And, and Rose, Rose was there with. before. So it was intentionally left open. It was meant for him to right. find. And I think that that's important. Right. So he finds a box. He's looking through the box and he's like, Rose, I'm not the first black person that Rose has been with. But on top of that, not only does he find pictures of rose being with other black people it's the people that he's seeing in the house mm-hmm. it's georgina and um the groundskeeper he mm-hmm. sees them and he's like wait what so he closes stuff up and gets stuff he's like rose we gotta go i don't give a fuck about anything else grab your keys i don't care if i leave everything else here grab your keys we gotta get out of here we gotta go mm-hmm. he goes downstairs and you can kind of see what's 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 boiling mm-hmm. because if you look at the front door jeremy's covering the front door if you look Towards the like kind of side out, Missy's kind of in her little space where her office is, and if you look by the back door through the kitchen, that's where Dean is, right? So the the exits are closed. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. The exits are closed. He's peeping that. He gets that. He knows where his surroundings are. They're like, "Oh, why are you leaving? Oh, my dog is sick. Got to get to the vet in the morning. Yada yada yada." Rose, get the keys. And uh, you know he's kind of moving around, but the the walls are closing in because they keep getting closer to him. Mm-hmm. Right? They keep getting closer to him. And he's getting more anxious. Rose, where are the keys? Where are the keys? Go ahead and get the keys, Rose. Like, we got to go. And meanwhile, Rose is like, oh, I can't, I can't find the keys. The keys. I'm, I'm, looking I can't, I'm looking keys. for them. And and Dean is just kind of closing in like, what do you think your purpose is in life? What's the purpose of life itself? Mm-hmm. And Chris is like, what? And Dean goes on this soliloquy about how life is kind of like fire and everything else. And Chris it finally kind of gets, the, this is the first time we've seen Chris just really mad Mm -hmm. and he's like give me the keys now and jeremy swings on him with a with of all things a lacrosse stick Mm -hmm. which is something that jordan peele said he said it's i build it as a horror because everything in there is foreign to me he said from the white women uh you know lying to you the whole time to the lacrosse stick right everything feels so foreign to him which is funny to uh point out that jordan peele is actually married married to to a a white white woman woman. (laughs) just Peretti. she's hilarious um but uh, yeah, the lacrosse stick, lacrosse is like the epitome of rich white people. Exactly, I feel like. exactly. Here's the other little, uh, little, little treat for you. Missy uses a silver spoon to control her subjects, which mm-hmm. the silver spoon is obviously uh, uh, it's a metaphor to privilege, mm-hmm. right? So interesting. And the lacrosse stick is like the epitome of of, yeah, of privileged white, right? Mm-hmm. Every, like I said, every little thing, every little image means something in this film, and so finally. Uh, Rose says she pulls the keys out and she's like you know I can't get these to you so now Chris knows oh it's a wrap yeah okay, now I'm he not, knows I need to fight for my life because everybody is right. up to something and he does the classic black like face like he like looks down to the side he huffs and puffs like alright I'm finished <laughs> now start. I gotta handle shit yeah now I gotta handle <laughs> shit right like I didn't want it to come to this but we here so now you want it you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and um, 
he starts at Jeremy, and I believe he about to whoop Jeremy ass. And uh, all you hear is that ding, 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 because Missy hit the hit the the, uh, the teacup, and Chris falls flat on his back, and they drag him downstairs. The downstairs that had quote unquote black mold, mm-hmm. and they they tie him up in a in a leather chair. And it's interesting because he's hypnotized, so he can still see what's going on. He yeah, just can't move place. his body or anything. Right. And Rose comes over him and goes. You, you were, were my, my favorite. favorite, yeah. And uh, I know he in there like, Beep. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. You're not my favorite. I hate you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Goes downstairs, and this is the part where I think I was in a uh, theater when I first saw this, and of course there was a, a classic black phrase that came out from a, a group of black women behind me, or at least one person in the group. It was hilarious. I started dying laughing. Uh, they said, "Mm-hmm, that's what you give. Mess with them white women mm-hmm. and dead." Okay, if you know anything about black culture, you're classic. Okay, you stub your toe, and it's because you mess around with white folks. <laughs> so, you would know, huh? I do. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Mar- being married to a white woman, everything I do is because I'm married to a white woman. But that's fine. Anyway, that's okay. Uh, they go downstairs. He's in this room. That's kind of like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm going to just explain it as being pre-op. So he's in the room and he is strapped down to a leather chair. This is important. Check this out. And he's watching a film. He, he gets w- he woken up and he's watching a film. The film is to explain what is about to happen to him, which is they call it the coagula, which is essentially that they're going to do a transplant of his brain into another person or another person's transplant into brain where he will still be there. His consciousness will still be there, but he will be taken over by the other person, meaning his body will be used and he will be in the backseat. Somebody else will be driving the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. Which we see is going to be the art dealer. The art dealer. He won the because he wanted the eyes. He wanted your eye, man. I want your eye, man. That's what he said in the film. So he won and, and he's already, the blind guy's already, you know, getting chopped up on a table. So he's sedated and his skull is cracked open and they're about to do the transplant and everything else. Uh, Chris is about to be just another person who has been, um, entered into the coagula and Chris gets uh, put to sleep again or hypnotized again. He gets brought out of it again. And this time what we have seen throughout the movie is that one of his nervous ticks is that he scratches the chair. Mm-hmm. Okay. We saw that in the first time where, um, where he was actually getting hypnotized for the first time and he, he scratches the chair when he gets anxious and nervous. Uh, that was important. I'm sorry. I missed that, but he scratches the chair. So now he's in a leather chair. Now Jordan Peele has said this, this leather chair is filled with cotton. Mm-hmm. This is important. Okay. I was literally just about to say this because it just dawned on me just now. But go ahead. Yes. So he's scratching the chair, scratching the chair, scratching the chair, scratching the chair, scratches through the chair that exposes the cotton. Then we don't see this at first, but he puts the cotton into his ear. He gets put to sleep again. Jeremy comes in the room and is supposed to, uh, you know, take him to the operation thing so he can have the operation. And freaking uh, Chris hits Jeremy over the head with like a polo ball, right? <laughs> he just he just just bashes his head in. And then he takes the cotton out of his ear. And we're like, oh, my God, he put the cotton in his ear. That's what, So he didn't hear the ding, ding, ding. So he couldn't be hypnotized. Yeah. Uh, which is genius. But in the, this is very symbolism to where, like, the one thing that uh, we recognize as black people as being... A uh, very oppressive to us is cotton. Saved him. Right? Saved him. Yeah. Right. I, I just had that epiphany right before we started talking about this. 
how like i said i just love when i can connect the dots and i'm like oh i'm so smart genius <laughs> genius jordan pills a genius and uh and how visceral of the challenge is that right the one thing that we like hate the most is the one thing that saves you right and so then chris starts out on his exodus of the house where he goes he kills the dad he goes upstairs he sees the buck on the wall yeah yeah he oh that's another thing he uses the deer the buck to kill the dad how the the, the symbolism is amazing so the dad dies by the very one thing that he hates, which is so, which they use they use the buck, but really it's by the black man. The dad hates the black man, mm-hmm. and he dies by the black man. So that's the symbolism there. Very cool. He goes upstairs. He sees Missy. Missy sees him. He very smartly knocks the teacup off the table and breaks it to where he can't be put in hypnosis anymore. And uh, then they start to tussle. And she stabs him in the hand, actually. Mm-hmm. But his very through strong his self, hand. through his hand, his very strong self chokes out and kills Missy. Then he's walking out the door. And lo and behold, Jeremy punk ass is back up. The psycho that he is, is back up and starts to choke Chris. And there's this back and forth struggle, back and forth struggle, back and forth struggle. Um, and lo and behold, Chris gets out and he gets to kill Jeremy. All of this is happening while Rose's white ass is upstairs uh, on a laptop searching NCAA top athletes mm-hmm. um, and eating her cereal with the milk in one bowl and the Fruit Loops in a cup separate from each other. Mm-hmm. Which there's symbolism there. You mm-hmm. can talk about that one. Yeah, I noticed this yesterday too. I was like, huh, do you think that there's symbol? I don't know why I asked because of course there's symbolism behind it. But so she has a glass of milk and then she has a bowl of fruit loops right and she's putting the fruit loops in her mouth and then taking a drink of the milk and you can see that everything around her is very pristine very proper her hair is up in this nice high ponytail Mm. um she's got her headphones in there's nothing out of place right she's got her headphones in she can't hear what's going on she's sitting up straight no arch in her back at all so everything's prime proper she's eating the fruit loops and then taking a drink of milk and I was like, huh, so you can't mix your colors with your white milk or, you know. Right. And so I was like, ah, oh, I see the symbolism behind that. But still wanting to ingest the Fruit Loops is still good, though. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Chris gets out and, he, of course, he runs into Georgina because Georgina is outside and, like, he hits her. And this is with another thing. He hits her with the car. And, again, this is that deer. He hits the deer, which is Georgina. And earlier when he hits the deer, he wants to go check on the deer. And he goes to check on the deer, and the deer is kind of still alive, making this little sound, which is actually Jordan Peele. So when the deer, it was Jordan Peele who made that sound. So the next time you watch the movie mm-hmm. and you hear the deer sound, that's Jordan Peele. And um, and he actually has a dream about the deer, which deer, which is kind of like a foreshadowing into the, in the, into the future about mm-hmm. Georgina. So he gets out of the car, and he looks at Georgina, and he knows that Georgina is not who he thinks that she is. Right. right? But but he's also having to come to terms with the fact because didn't his mom his pass mom, away by right. hit hit and run? Yes. Yeah. And so he's having the the same. Oh my God! This is my mom. This is a black woman. Mm-hmm. This is a and and this happens a lot. You go through Twitter, especially if you're on Black Twitter, you see this all the time. If you I make it a statement all the time to either correct people if they talk about black women or I'm not about to talk about black women, right? If you do, or if you see, and you will see this. One uh, a very common phrase is that you we recognize who our women are, how important they are to the black community. And we will always say, like, this is a black woman. Your mom is a black woman. Mm-hmm. Right. So in that statement, like 
because that's how we look like I feel like at least for me and the people the good black men that I know that's how we're looking at it like we mm-hmm. love our black women we love our moms we love our sisters we love everybody mm-hmm. and so when I look at somebody I'm like this is somebody who's very important to our culture right he gets out the car he does the same thing he's like I can't just leave this black woman here I had a chance to help my mom I didn't help my mom she I know she is different but she's still a black woman she's laying out here so he puts her in a car and she wakes up in the car and she's, you know, yelling at him like you ruined everything. And she causes a car accident. Well, in a car accident, Georgina dies. And um, Chris gets out the car. And lo and behold, Rose is there. And Rose about to do that thing. Rose about to blast him. You know what I'm saying? All, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And Chris is saved by the day by nobody other than the groundskeeper the groundskeeper shoots rose mm-hmm. which is like a big twist you're like oh what the hell he he well he, the groundskeeper was coming at chris and chris snapped a picture yes of him. yes chris very smart p- turn a flash on mm-hmm. got him out of the sunken place right, right right and the groundskeeper shoots rose and then turns the gun on himself shoots himself because he knows I can't come out of this. Like, mm-hmm. boom. They took my brain. They took my brain. <laughs> yeah. I can't really. I'm just at this moment. At some point, the guy's going to come back and take over me. Mm-hmm. I'd rather us both be dead. So he shoots himself. And I remember being in a theater when what happened next. And this is just so telling. I really want y'all to feel the weight of this. This is so telling. The theater that I'm in, even though it was Stillwater, I mean, Stephenville, it, was, it pretty much every black person in Stephenville was in this theater. Mm-hmm. And... I wonder if we were there on the same night. We might have been. It was opening night. Like, I went to the opening premiere. Me too. Um, wow. I was with Lily. I don't know. You knew who Lily was. Yeah, so. I, yeah that's crazy. Um, and there's a bunch of black people in it. So you remember. It was mm-hmm. like it was like all the black people with Stephenville was in this mm-hmm. theater. And I don't know if you had the same thing, but I noticed this. The next thing that happens is, mind you, Rose is shot in the street. She's still alive. Uh, there's dead bodies everywhere. And like, Cops pull up. We see the lights flashing. Woo woo. And everybody in the theater was like, damn. Like, I can't believe that this happened. Mm-hmm. Chris about to get got. Wow. We know as an audience that Chris is innocent and did what he had to do to get out to save his own life. Right. And that the Armitages need to be underneath the jail because they are the people who are bad. And this is a classic thing. Mm-hmm. He was fighting for his he's life. He's fighting and he for his like life the... and he looks like he's the guilty one. Yeah. And so everybody let out this like, oh my God, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Another innocent black man about to be shot by the police for some shit he didn't do. And I literally was like, that moment, I felt so much like pain. Mm-hmm. That, was the, that was the scariest moment to me in the entire film. Mm-hmm. When the police car, from the first time I saw it, the police car pulled up, I was like, wow. Because this is how it is in real life. Mm-hmm. This is exactly how it is. These white folks did everything to this black man and nobody's going to believe him. Mm-hmm. And he is going to be the one who was in prison, rotting away for some shit that he had to do to get out of a situation that he was put into. Th- do you see that huge parallel? Mm-hmm. He was placed into a situation, oppression, did what he had to do to get out. Yet he's still going to be the one who was who was caught up. Mm-hmm. So that moment just just culminated right then. Right. But 
Thanks to Jordan Peele, we see the door door open open. and it says airport. Yeah, we're like, huh? And everybody's like, excuse me? And Rod gets out the car and it's Rod. And And the theater goes wild. the theater goes wild. We're like, let's go, let's go. Rod is here. He saves the day. This is lit. Like literally everybody's clapping. People are standing up. I'm lit. Like I haven't felt this way about a uh, about a film in the movie theater in a long time. Mm-hmm. I am lit. I'm like, let's go. This is some. Ah, I want to watch it again. I'm so happy right now. Um, it's just it was great, right? Mm-hmm. Like that moment was just so liberating. It was like, wow, we finally made it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We made it. It wasn't us. We know what actually happened, and the truth happened. And you know what I'm saying? They're like, we made it. And so Rod. I'm not going to go through Rod's storyline about how Rod found out or whatever, but Rod found out. He knew. He never stopped. He always continued to press and press and press, and he went and he found Chris. Chris gets in the car, and they're quiet. Chris is like, how'd you do it, man? It is the funniest moment of the movie comes. Chris is like, I'm T.S. motherfucking A. We handle shit. That's what we do, right? Yes. That's like the funniest part in the whole movie and it was so liberating to be like, this is how I wanted the movie to end. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to die, all of them to die. I wanted their their storyline, their lifeline, and all of that to end there, which also means that Chris is alive, which also means that Chris is going to blow the whistle on the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So I know that Andre is going to get the help that he needs, or he's going to die, or whatever that you know he's going to get out. Mm-hmm. Everybody else who has been under the throes of the Armitages are going to be able to get out. Mm-hmm. He Which knows, you know are, are a lot because you see all of the people that Rose has been with in the past. Exactly. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that I saw all the people who were at the garden party, mm-hmm. right? So I know that the, that the, the, the buck ends here. The buck stops here. Pun intended. Pun intended. I know that it stops here. Chris has been saved. I, I feel good about how the story ended. These people went crazy and did some things that they didn't have to do. But they did it anyway, and Chris got out. That is how the movie ends. And I know that was a long kind of wraparound. In the time it takes you to listen to this, you could have watched the film. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but that's how I, I really want to tell you. Let's then we're going through this quick. Like, please watch this film, and it's so great. Um, but if you had to just rate it one through ten, what is yours? You know, mine's a ten. 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 Okay, we'll move on. Favorite scene. You go first. I don't okay. know. Okay. <laughs> My favorite scene, um, I'm, like I said, it, it is the moment where we find out that it's Rod in the cop car. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite scene because I really felt as if, like, with everybody else, being that I saw it in a movie theater with a bunch of people, it felt so good to be like, we all had the same collective experience of, we felt that relief. Mm-hmm. That was like, uh, from a, from a, uh, from a watch, from a, consumer standpoint that was my favorite scene my other favorite scenes i'll, I'll break down this week uh on youtube uh, and, I'll, and i'll break down why they're my favorite scenes cinematically but that was my favorite scene that was my favorite scene too because much like you said it was just a relief that for once the black man is going to be believed yes right? yeah yes and it's just such, such a huge trope and i know some of y'all out there are gonna be like they don't have to be, be believed all the time. I get it, bro. Like there's criminals everywhere and, they, and, and what have you. But it also doesn't mean people need to die. And in that moment, it just felt good to somebody to be liberated for him, for somebody's story to be told before it's over. Mm-hmm. So rather, rather he got on stand and, and said some wild stuff that was a lie 
or not, either way, the 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 story is going to be able to be capped in the way that it should be capped. Um, was there like a scene you just didn't understand? Maybe I can help you out with. Um, I don't think anymore. If we were doing this after the first time we watched it, right. then maybe there would be. But I've seen so many things over the years that break down literally every single point in this movie. Um, but I I guess. The one that I really didn't understand when I first watched it is when he walks over at the beginning when he hits the deer and he walks over and and sees the deer and I'm like, why did they put that in there? You know? Yeah, I I think that that was supposed to be his like, I mean, you know now, that was supposed to be his connection that he had with his mother. He hit somebody on the side of the road and a deer is just out there and he just left her out there again. Once again, he left her out there, which changed in the end where he picked up Georgina. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to leave her out there no more. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really have one. I don't understand. I've broken down this film a thousand times. So, <laughs> right. uh, out of everybody, all the characters that are hateable, mm-hmm. which one do you hate the most? I hate Missy the most. Yeah. Why? Because she's so cerebral. She's so cerebral, but also like she thinks that she cannot be had. Yes. She thinks that she is so beyond, she's so cerebral that she thinks that she is, mentally beyond everybody else that there is no one who can go against her she's right the because leader she can of their hypnotize family. you yeah i mean she could yeah she's the leader of their family and she's so calm and cool and collected and like she ain't got nothing to worry about and that just really bothers me because i don't like entitlement and i don't like when people can't humble themselves and I feel like that's her. I feel like she encompasses yeah. everything that I yeah. don't like about people. <laughs> well, the cool thing about her the, her story, the ending, I'm sure that Jordan and the writers felt the same way. The, the, um, the, the way it ended, the way that it did for her, is that when the one tool that made her feel the safest and the most um, entitled was taken away, she had nothing. Mm-hmm. When that cup broke, she had nothing. Mm-hmm. She was nothing more. Right. Like that was it. Mm-hmm. That was the tool that made me feel as if I was better than, but it was right. taken away. And so that I think also is a symbolism into certain cultures and stuff like that. When you have that privilege and entitlement, let that money be taken away. Let let that one thing that is giving you entitlement be taken away and you see that you're just like everybody else. Um, Hold on. Suede. Suede is out here growling. Um. Suede is our resident dog protector. She will resident dog. Uh, she will always let us know what is going on in our neighborhood. Okay, she's like Mister Rogers, uh, because she sees something, she gonna let us know. She gonna growl, she gonna bark, she gonna do some. Okay, now she ain't gonna bite nobody, but she gonna let us know. Um, I feel you. Character I hate most is Jeremy, just because he's annoying. Mm, he is. Um, he literally was a close second. Not only is he, like he even looks annoying because he doesn't sorry. really he's have like anything a, <clears throat> to give. Nothing at all. He's just an enforcer and he's ugly. Uh, that's just <laughs> me. Ugly. Like, he's not a good looking man. You know, I feel like that's, I'm sorry, whoever plays who I'm sure in, in life you probably do, but they made you look terrible in the movie. Kind of like they did with Mariah Carey and uh, Precious. I didn't even know it was Mariah Carey, but whatever. Hmm. Uh, character you love. Um, obviously Chris, uh, but the character I love the most is Rod because yep. as that friend, you knew something was off. He went to the police. We didn't mention this. He went to the police. The police didn't believe him. And so he was like, whatever. I know what I feel. And I know that something is wrong. And so I need to go figure it out myself because right. the police aren't going to help me. He went to like the CIA or FBI too. Yeah. And like he was that. like, I'm not going to let my friend get killed out here or, you know, get caught up in some sex ring. Right. 
And which so is, which he was had like, to handle it on his own. And he even tried to get Rose caught up, but she's too smart. So. Yeah, yeah, he did. He's He was uh, very smart. <clears throat> and that's another thing, too, is that, like, that's that believability, right? So it's almost like crying wolf. Like, when black people go to the police, uh, it's pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. When black people will say that they're in pain at the hospitals, it's pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what exactly what happens. So oftentimes, we have to take it upon ourselves to do the work that somebody else should be doing for us. Um, and so he does that work. I love Rod too. I also love the fact that, um, I lo- <laughs> not to be racist. I love every black person in this film. Let me tell you what, besides the, um, besides the FBI agent who was again, playing in the downfall of everybody else. Cause she was just making a joke out of it. Right. But the groundskeeper and Georgina, they were constantly and, and even, um, Andre, they were constantly fighting inside their, you know, even though they were being controlled, they were all they were still fighting so hard to get out to to help Chris. Forget themselves; they were trying to get out to help Chris. Mm-hmm. The entire movie, they were constantly, 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 constantly fighting mm-hmm. to do so. I love that Rod. I felt like it's me, so Rod was my favorite character. I feel like they could have just casted me, and I could have <laughs> did that. You could, um, even though I thought Lil Rel was a, 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 a was a perfect cast. And that was his first horror movie. And I think in the same year, he did a Bird Box. Oh, um, oh yeah. So I think he plays like the perfect like uh, comedic relief for yeah. uh, for horror, which is cool because it's not like, it, it's believable comedy. Mm-hmm. It's not like slapstick comedy, you know? Right. Like it's just, it really is believable. Force. He felt- That's not force. Right. He felt as if this is like the true friend. Mm-hmm. That is, this is how it would be. This is how I would act if I was looking for my friend. I'm not- you know, just in crime junkies and I'm supposed to sit behind a, a table and I'm supposed to act a certain way. Shout out to them. They always say you never know how you're going to act. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that's probably how I'm going to be. So I'm sure people are going to say his behavior is erratic because he's being funny. Everything's a joke to him. It's like, no, that's how I'm processing to be able to help my friend out. Right. Because um, you saw when he pulled up, the first thing he said to Chris was, I told I you. I told you. I told you. Now, Chris is on the ground, blood everywhere. There's dead bodies everywhere. The first thing he said is, I told you about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Messing with these white women. Mm-hmm. I told you. <laughs> uh, which, that would be me. Like, just add a little levity to the situation and bring it up a little bit. Uh, so, shout out to Lil Rail. Because uh, I think he did a, a, a phenomenal job as Rod um, and playing that role. So, <sighs> listen. 90 minutes. And I know that we could have talked about this so much longer. I probably could spend 90 minutes on the first 15 minutes of the of the the movie. But so glad, beyond glad that you sat here with us and you stuck it out. If you have anything that we missed that you feel as if like, oh, this is what I saw in this movie, mm-hmm. please let us know. Yeah. We love this movie so much. I'd watch it again today if I wanted to watch it again today. True. Like, I love this movie so much. I love every and single take. And it's on take. Amazon Prime. So. Yes, it is on Amazon Prime. So if you have Prime, which you should, if you do not have Prime, go ahead and... Uh, manage your money so where you can get that prime coin because amazon prime is amazing not necessarily the prime video uh platform but like having amazon prime to also be able to have hbo to also be able to have videos um Mm -hmm. is amazing so go ahead and get amazon prime if you don't have it um thank y'all for staying again as always we want your money (laughs) uh no we are self-funded a funded podcast so if you would like to help us out at all um, please send us some money via Cash App or Venmo. Press next podcast. Uh, we would love, love, love some donations and just whatever you can. So if it's a dollar, if it's five dollars, it's ten, it's twenty. Um, show us some love uh, financially. Go ahead and drop that in a bucket. 
uh, as we say every single episode, we are trying to get some stuff. Uh, we want to be grassroots and we want to be able to create a better production for you all so that you all can enjoy it more um, and we can have fun. And then also follow us on Facebook. Yeah. Join our Facebook group. Join and our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter. Press Next Pod. Instagram and TikTok. Press Next Podcast. And we have fun on there. So we'll be posting a lot of stuff on there. We'll probably post a lot more TikToks and a lot more reels and stuff like that. We're going to have fun. And I will do YouTube series over uh, over Get Out because there's a lot of things that I there's feel like I can, I can break down break and get down, out yeah. uh, cinematically. So I will be doing that. So uh, stay tuned for that. And any last things you want to say, baby girl? Um, just that it's cold out here. So bundle up on the couch, get you a cup of coffee, Uh some hot chocolate, Mm. a blanket, turn on TV, and always press next. Always press next. We love y'all.